Welcome to Can You Hold My Attention? Kingswood U.S. CEO and industry veteran Derek Bruton invites his guests to discuss and debate the latest trends and hottest topics facing financial advisors today. The guest list represents a who's who of the financial services industry. Derek's goal is to provide you with insight into how he and other leaders think about today's challenges and plan for future success. And now, let's see whether or not today's guest can hold Derek's attention. Leadership must be demonstrated, not announced. That's a direct quote from my esteemed guest today, Fran Tarkenton. And if there ever was a time in history that those words would apply, where leadership needs to be demonstrated, it's today. I often tell people that my biggest life lessons, lessons from my pers- for my personal and professional life, came from my college and pro sports career. And through competitive sports, I was schooled on the values of hard work, accountability, and respect. And as I work here from my home office during this strict COVID lockdown here in Southern California, where we sadly saw 192 deaths just yesterday from this disease, one of the lessons I learned from playing basketball, resiliency, has been quite useful lately. It's actually quite embarrassing for me to speak about my limited sports career in the company of one of the greatest athletes ever in America, National Football League Hall of Fame quarterback, Fran Tarkenton. After achieving wild success in college at the University of Georgia, Fran was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings in 1961 and went on to star for the Vikings and the New York Giants for a total of 18 seasons. In his career, Fran threw for over 47,000 yards and passed for 342 touchdowns. And those are amazing numbers for sure. But what's most impressive, especially for a quarterback during that time, is that Fran also rushed for 3,674 yards and 32 touchdowns. He pioneered the term scrambling quarterback and still to this day ranks fifth in career rushing yards for quarterbacks. And at six feet tall and 190 pounds, one has to think that Fran was running for his life as well with guys like Ed Tall Jones and Dick Buckus running after you. Uh, but my favorite stat though is that Fran ranks eighth on the all-time list of regular season wins by a quarterback. He's a winner through and through in sports for sure, but also off the field. And I'm gonna talk today uh, with Fran about that off-field success as well and how he's converted that winning attitude from sports and the lessons he's learned into a very successful business career over the last 40 years. And that includes how he's found success in working with financial advisors at Tarkenton Financial. So welcome, friend. Welcome, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you, Derek. It's wonderful to be with you. And uh, I hope all you stay safe. Uh, we, I think we're making so much progress in the, the, the vaccines, and that's going to go fast and furious. And, and so we can get back to a more normal life. But uh, I'm just happy to be with you and your, your people today. Well, thank you, friend. Normal never sounded so good right now, I tell you. Let's let's talk a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about football and then I want to get into the business side because so many people in our audience are really interested in seeing how you converted these lessons that you learned and during your pro career, your college career as well, and how that's converted into what led to your success. So, you know, when you left football in 78, you were the all-time NFL leading passer and rusher as a quarterback. 
in a time where your position stayed in the pocket, uh, you were the trailblazer for people like Steve Young and Michael Vick and, and now Lamar Jackson. It yeah. must make you grin ear to ear to see where that position has evolved to. Well, what it did, it took the NFL 60 years to uh, understand that uh, a quarterback uh, had a great advantage uh, if they could run. We have to be able to throw, but we have to be able to buy time and run because the defense, they get paid too. And the, as you mentioned, the defensive pass rushers are pretty good too. And what do you do when they get get through? You got to, you got to, you got to go and, and find an alternative. Uh, you mentioned leadership, which I, I find very interesting and what, Everything that I've really learned in life has been through starting businesses, but the, the but also through the life lessons and leadership lessons of being a quarterback in high school and college and pro football. People say, "Well, what makes a great quarterback?" and 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 I think uh, you've got to have the physical qualities. But every quarterback that gets drafted in the National Football League or is signed as a free agent, they are big enough. They can throw, they're smart, they can play. But the guys that make it are the guys that are great leaders, that, that, that the people around them trust them and believe in them. And they believe in them because they are helping them solve problems, helping them be successful and understand that teams win, not individuals. We need to get our ego out of it. It's not about us. It's not about me as a high-paid quarterback or the chairman and owner of my company. It's about my customers, number one. It's about my, my associates and partners and that work for me, number one. I cannot separate that. And when that's the case, great things can happen. But I, I have seen, it, it, we see it in, in football at, at the pro level. We see guys come in who've got these great physical abilities. They get drafted in the first round and they get drafted number one, number two, number three, and they just don't make it. And I'll give you some, John Unitas was, when I came up, he was the icon of football. He was, he was the greatest quarterback that had ever played. Uh, and he was a free agent. He didn't get drafted. He went to try out for Pittsburgh his first year. They've cut him. Another team cut him. And then finally, the Baltimore Colts signed him to a free agent contract, not draft. And he goes out and plays lights out ball. And, of course, in the Hall of Fame, he set all the passing records. And I had the honor to break them because records are supposed to be broken. You look at Bart Starr back in that era wasn't a terribly physically gifted quarterback at all. Great team, great coach, so forth, but he's a great leader. I guarantee you they played hard for him. I look at the quarterbacks today and, and the ones that, that really, Peyton Manning was great, Brady is great, and they get their people involved and together, and they lead them, and they coach them on the field. They coach them off the field. And the one thing they don't do, they don't embarrass their teammates. In my 18 years, I never chewed out a teammate. Oh, he missed a block. Well, do you think he tried to miss a block? He missed an assignment. Well, maybe that was our, our problem of not making sure he understood the assignment well. You've got to 
you've got to be able to win their trust. You don't win their trust by yelling and screaming and, 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 and belittling them. And leadership wins in, 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 in sports. And I, and I know that it wins in business because I've been in business all my life. When I played football, I, my first salary was $12,500. I made a total in 18 years. I, I went to 10 Pro Bowls, played in three of the first 11 Super Bowls, new franchise team. Uh, I made $1.2 million in 18 years. They make a lot more today. I worked every offseason. I built 24 businesses. I... I love my business life as much as I love that, but the principles of being a winning quarterback, leading the team, having a lot of wins is no different than leading and being a leader in the business world. Right. Cause leaders, I mean, you look at today in, in business, I mean, your customers are in, in, in football where we're the audience, right? You're, you're playing to the yeah. audience. You're there to, to serve a purpose there and win your strategic partners or the people on the field with you, your teammates, your coaches. And it, it really is transcends your, your ego and being, being a star quarterback. It is about leadership. What went into the, you know, the, it's a complex role, the quarterback, right? What went into yeah. the preparation and execution of that role each week for you? Well, it, it's the hardest position in all sport. You, you, you're the trigger. You, get, you handle the ball every play. You've got to call the play, even though they send in the plays through their headphones. Now, we called our own plays, but even today, they send the plays through, but the quarterback goes up, and he sees that they've got six people in the block in the box, and he's got a running play call. Well, in today's game, they, they come up, and the quarterback can change the play just like that. And if they fill the box up, he throws a pass. If they go back to a two-deep zone, he can run the ball. And so he's got to make all these decisions. And then when he does throw the ball, he's got to come back and he's got all these people coming at him and in his face. And, and then you've got chaos in the secondary, but he's got to know where everybody is, have peripheral vision. But then eventually you've got to go from this side or to this side, whichever, and, and decide which player you're going to throw the ball to. It's, it's, it's a very complex thing and it takes tremendous, tremendous preparation. And the, the ones that understand this, the ones that can solve the problems, the ones that can think through this. It doesn't matter what your IQ is. It matters, can you figure it out? They, those are the few ones that really are great quarterbacks. And the others come in with the same physical abilities. Probably their aptitude is the same, same kind of brain. They just don't make it, even though they're better athletes than some of the ones that do make it. Uh, but they don't make it because they don't, they cannot solve the problem. They cannot get their hands around it. And so it's, it's in instincts and all those things, but in business, it, it's not just what you learn in college. College did not prepare me to be in business. College did not prepare me to be a, a great quarterback. You've got to understand your, your business. You got to understand your people. You got to understand your customer, what they want. Can you solve the customer's problem? Can you be trusted by the customer? Can you build that rapport? Can you build that relationship? Because I repeat and I repeat and repeat, it's all about the customer and it's all about your teammates in your company. You cannot do it by yourself. And if our focus is on customer 
and solving problems for customer and doing the right things for customers and being honest and trustworthy, uh, uh, then we have a chance to be able right. to make it happen. It's not about tricking people. It's not about be manipulating people. And uh, it's about being authentic. And when you're authentic and they can trust you, people do business with the people that they can trust and believe in. We'll be back right after this. My practice took off in a positive way in a direction I never thought it could. Within a couple of years, my volume of business came close to tripling. I do about four times the business now than before I was with Targeted. So I quadrupled my business. All my life, the mission of business is for me is to help other people, not to make money. That's a byproduct. That culture is important for us here. The most important thing is that we help them. This is Amanda Adams, VP of Sales at Tarkenton Financial. To learn how Fran Tarkenton and our team can partner with you to grow your financial practice, call me today at 404-504-3104. Because at Tarkenton Financial, you're never one of many. You're one of us. Fran, you are you're one of the most competitive people I know. Um, I know you more, after obviously, after your NFL career, just being extremely competitive in, in business. But you once told me a story, and I think this has a lot to do with your competitive spirit, about putting yourself in a game when you played at University of Georgia. You putting yourself, you, without the coach asking you to get into the game. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I, I, I played, I started in my high school team at 13. And we won state championships and region championships, and I was recruited by a lot of people. But I lived in Athens, Georgia, and my uh, they had a terrible program in the fifties where I came out of high school, of high school and everybody else recruited me hard, but Georgia, not so much because they had two quarterbacks ahead of me uh, that had been the number one and number two quarterbacks in the country the year before quarterbacks couldn't play back then in the late fifties uh, as a freshman, you only could, you had a freshman team and you went from there. And so anyway, I played my freshman year. Uh, we won. We played three games uh, as freshmen, and we we beat Clemson, we beat Georgia Tech, and we beat Auburn. We had a scrimmage against the varsity uh, uh, before the first game of the season. We beat the varsity 14-7 with our freshman team. So now we're ready to go play, and I, I, I go through training camp, and the, and the coach said, "Oh, Fran, you did a great job. You worked hard in spring practice, and you're gonna we're gonna redshirt you." I said, "No, you're not. You can redshirt me, but I'm gonna get out of here in four years, so I'll be gone." Oh, that's a great attitude. We get to the Fall, we have practice in August, and I'm the third-string quarterback, but I have to learn all the plays. And we go out to Austin, Texas to play the Texas Longhorns in Austin, Texas. And Darrell Royal, the great coach, was there. And we go out, and I uh, I learned all the plays, and I prepared myself. And uh, the quarterback that we started was Charlie Britt, one of those guys I mentioned. We played for two and a half quarters, and they were up uh, 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 seven to, to, to nothing. And uh, – we did not uh, have a first down in, in two and a half quarters. And so they putted to our team and our guy fair catches the punt on the five yard line. I'm standing next to the coach. I always stood next to the coach, high school, college pro ball. Cause I want to see what's going on. And I'm ragging on him. You need to put me in. I can do better. I can go, I can get us a first down. I can get us a touchdown. Everything I could do, but he ignored me. So the punt happens, fair catch. I look over, on the bench and the quarterback, Charlie Brett, who was playing was still on the bench. I bolted onto the field. No, the coach didn't put me in. I ran onto the field, got to the five yard line 
and my team and what are you doing here i said forget that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're, we're gonna make this work we're gonna score a touchdown we were on our own 20 uh we were on our own uh uh 20 yard line 15 yard line somewhere and we had 21 plays to get to the other end of the field there was now second or third down i scrambled out and i made a pass and completed to our one of our ends and we went seven six uh the place went crazy the people back listening to the radio in Athens, georgia went crazy and and so now this was the first year of a of of the two-point conversion and so they sent the kicker on i waved the kicker off and i told my teammates i said guys if we don't make this two-point conversion i've got to ride a greyhound bus all the way from austin texas to Athens, <laughs> georgia and so anyway i came back and i used my feet again i scramble we didn't call it scrambling they didn't have a, a, a name for a running quarterback and i bought time bought time bought time to throw i found another receiver at the last minute that was open we got the two-point conversion and we won and we went up eight seven uh if i hadn't put myself in if i had not forced the issue uh, if i hadn't been so prepared and ready to play and understood i might never have ever started in college football might never have been to pro football probably wouldn't because these were skilled guys i could play better than them i understood how to play better than they did and and how to figure things out and how to lead and but sometimes we got to take disruptive actions to get get ourselves somewhere and i did then and i never stopped doing that that's a great story and you also would have been on one of the worst Greyhound bus rides ever if, uh, if you hadn't hit that two-point conversion. So uh, that's, that's great. You know, Fran, over the last, uh, since, since 78, when you retired, you've launched 20 companies. I think that's about right. Uh, what, what gave you the drive to be I actually, I, I actually, Derek, I worked every off season. My first, uh, uh, was 12, my first salary was 12, five. And I, I always had an off-season job. I did I did speaking, but I worked for Wilson Truck System. Uh, they were based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and they had an office in, in in Minneapolis. And I would knock on the door of shipping clerks all over South and North Dakota, uh, in, in, in my off-season job, and they paid me about a dollar an hour. You know, they paid me nothing, and uh, and I went out and I also did four speeches a week. But in my 18 years, I made more money in the off season than I made in my, in my salary. When I was 25, I started building my own companies. I actually built, I built 24 companies, uh, uh, all but two made it. Uh, and, and it was good to recognize the ones that weren't right and didn't work. I need to, get, to stop that. But anyway, so I, I worked all my life. I worked all of the years I played in football. Graham, what about and, all the shoe contracts, though? The shoe contracts, well, I, <laughs> they, you know, they paid Nike. You know, look what they paid. They, they made Michael Jordan a multi-billionaire and all these basketball players and football players. And so the, the, the shoe people of our generation, uh, they, uh, they, they would give me, for my endorsement, they would give, uh, give me uh, shoes to wear to practice and on game day, no money whatsoever. <laughs> we didn't have that money. That's funny. Yeah. It's so, so, so I, I interrupted you. Tell me more about, uh, about, you know, how you learned to, to start and run. Well, these the, yeah. Well, the business is, I, I learned very quickly that business is not as difficult as we make it. 
I've got to have a reason for people who want to do business with me. I've got to have products or services, or I've got to have counseling that, that people need and I'm good at and I can deliver. I can do what I say I can do. I can build trust. Uh, and, and so I started with that. I also understood, I started reading sales books. I read, went to some sales seminars and, and there was all about how do you manipulate people? How do you give the hard clothes, the soft clothes? How do you able to twist their arm to make them do what you want them to do? I threw those books away. I didn't go into any more of the seminars because I don't believe in selling. I believe in helping. I believe in building relationships. I believe in building, being authentic. And I may not have the answer for what they're wanting in, in whatever product or services I'm doing. And so I got to recognize that. I learned very much. My customers were like my, my teammates. They, I needed my teammates. I needed my customers. I, you cannot, you can't have a business without customers who generate the revenue. And so I, I don't believe in selling. I believe in helping. I believe in building relationships. I do business with the people I trust. Uh, the people that deliver what they say they can do. Uh, I don't do that with the people who are hyping me and I got the greatest this, the greatest that, and come join me and you're going to make billions and millions of dollars because I'm magic. I'm not magic and you're not magic. So I just always have been so understanding and respectful of my teammates in football and in business and I was really understanding and respectful of my customers. Mm -hmm. I had to be customer friendly. And when I focused on that, good things happen. Uh, and, and, and the other thing is I can't do everything myself. In business, I've always had partners. Right. I, I built a technology company in, in the 60s and my partner was IBM. I had a little technology company that we'd taken out of bankruptcy and we couldn't make it work. And so I am, I, my, my, my chief technical officer, who was my only technical officer said, well, I said, we're, we're, we're going broke here. I, I'm running out of money. He said, we need a partner. I said, well, what kind of part? This is 1982. He said, IBM, IBM was all the fang stocks put together. It was the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. If it weren't for IBM, there's no Intel, there's no IBM, there's no Microsoft. And so I called John Akers, the chairman of IBM. And I said, and I didn't know him. So he gets on the phone and said, John, I apologize for the call. I said, I, you know, I played football. I know you played football. I did this. And I said, I've got this technology and, and here's what it is. And I, uh, you know, and my technical officer, who's the only person there, he tells me that we need to have a partnership with you. I said, we did 2 million of revenue last year and lost money. I imagine you did a little bit more than that. And I don't think there's any way in the world we have anything that you need. And he's laughing. And so I, he, uh, he said, what can I do for you? I said, I'll, if I could arrange a meeting with a couple of your people, I'll fly up there uh, and, and, and meet with them at your offices and da, 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 da. And he said, sure. And so I get my technical officer, I fly up to White Plains, New York, and I go to the IBM offices, and they've got about 20 uh, guys in IBM blue. And I know they don't want to be there, so I brought 20 footballs. 
and I brought a stopwatch and I came in there and I know they say, what in the world am I wasting my time being with this ex quarterback who knows nothing about technology and we're so successful. So I went in there and I, I uh, told them, I said, I know you don't want to be here. I don't, you know, and I appreciate you being here. We're going to keep you here 30 minutes. I've got a, a stopwatch and let you get out and get, get your work. And here's my, my chief technical officer. He's going to tell you what we do and da da da. And we'll get out of here. And I'll sign, I'll, I'll, I'll sign footballs for you or your kids. 30 minutes. I said, thank you so much. No, they wanted to stay. We stayed for four hours. They loved what we were doing. There was a fit. And four weeks later, we formed a partnership with IBM and uh, I had a, uh, you know, they said, we'd like to invest in your company. I said, well, how much you want to invest? We'd like to invest $10 million in your company. I said, well, you would own the company plus, and it'd be a bad deal for you because we're not worth $10 million. I'm not sure we're worth a dollar. And so they <laughs> laughed at that. And so anyway, I made a deal with them and they wanted to put the $10 million in there. And I said, you could have all, you, then you could have 80% of the company. No, we'll take 10% of the company. And we went out and went from 2 million to 129 million in about two years. And we made IBM a lot of money. We made us uh, ourselves a little money, but it was transparency. It was authentic. It wasn't selling. It was let's work this together. And, and that's, and I've always done that. I've always done that. I had partnerships with Sam Walton and Walmart. I've got a great partnership today with Apple. I've, I've got great par partnerships with ADP and here's an old company and a technology company, two different things. And we build partnerships of trust and see how we can take our respective skills and be able to put one plus one equals about five or six. I and you are not smart enough or good enough, or we're not Superman and we cannot do everything. And we've got to have great teammates. We got to have great, great partners. We got to have great customers and we got to be authentic. Well, Fran, you, you, you talked about helping people, not selling, but helping people. And yeah. A lot of business owners today, including leaders in our industry, are, are staring at a, a difficult role, road ahead with, with COVID and, uh, and just the, the competitive nature of our business. A lot of people are, are struggling to compete, and clearly a lot of people are doing well uh, as, as well. But you once said it's perfectly okay, okay to want to quit as long as you don't. <laughs> I, I think that's a great quote. What well, advice think, do you... Yeah. But I, but I think the thing that has made me a better person is I played in three Super Bowls and I lost all three. Mm. Uh, I went back and said, what did I, what did I not do? How did I not prepare? How could I not? And I think having those, that experience and being down at the lowest level and pick I like this, this period we've been on almost for a year now of this great epidemic uh, that has disrupted the entire world. Never in my lifetime I've seen anything like it. But when we have this kind of situation, that gives us the greatest opportunity to go and get better, to get more efficient, and to go and, 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 and gain market share because so many people are poor, pitiful me. I've got all this and the world's falling apart and I'm worried about getting sick and my family getting sick and I'm not able to go to my office. And so what we've done is come out of this thing. We've had a robust economy. We've learned that we now can do what we're doing here and we're all over the country and we can have this kind of communication. I haven't been on a plane in five months. I have 
worked out of my house. I'm in my office today. But I have, we have done more great things. We, have, we are much more efficient, much more creative than we've ever been because we've worked better together. We've taken this terrible, terrible time. And rather than be defeated by it or disappointed by it, we, we've just full speed ahead and we, have, we are so much better and efficient today than we've ever been. And that's all happened because of this catastrophe that we've been in. And uh, so it's been a great opportunity for us. And uh, as far as growing our business, because we didn't lay down and die. Right. And, and tell, I mean, a lot of people don't know you actually work with a lot of financial advisors today with Tarkenton Financial and Go Small Biz. Yes. Uh, but tell us a little bit about, you know, your conversations with advisors and, you know, what you're helping them with today. Okay, well, you know, we, we started talking to financial 20 years ago. We we're in the, uh, you know, retirement income planning. Uh, we have uh, people all over the country that we work with, and, uh, and, and we help them develop marketing plans. Now, we've, we've, now we're really we're doing a tremendous project with Google, and we're partnering with them, and we are building a technology out to be able to digital uh, marketing and and where our people can go and work that leveraging technology in, into their own particular marketplaces. Our people did a lot of seminars, but they couldn't do seminars anymore. So we just got more creative. And how do we go out and find prospects and customers and redouble our efforts and work better together and have better messaging? And and so our businesses. We have five businesses here now. Target Financial is, is, is one of them. And they've all grown magnificently during this last year. It's been the best year that we've ever, I've ever had in business in my lifetime. And, and now we've learned how to be in a awful situation that we've been in. Can I get on planes and go to San Diego or New York or Chicago to have meetings? We do this. And we've learned how to do this and so much more and be able to uh, still stay in touch and still share information and do our job. And so I think that's what you do in life, right? You don't give right. up, you don't quit, you don't, well, I, I blame my defeats on this and that. And when I accept, I've, I've, I've got a challenge here, but I've, I'm gonna overcome the negative of the, and go make something happen and do and leverage technology. Look at all the, the, uh, the public offerings we, I've, I've seen recently of technology people that are building technology to do things more efficiently than better service and, and come out with unbelievable. Who would have thought the market would go from last February to now and be up like it is. I mean, Apple, the biggest company in the world is up 72% or 71% since last year. So we, Talking to financial has, again, 20 years. And now this is the best year we've ever had because we have been working better together, sharing information better, doing a better job with our customers uh, and our prospects. And we've been more flexible in how we work. And, and Fran, you've got a, obviously a magnetic personality that comes across great on Zoom, on phone calls. Uh, what would you share in terms of... Uh, lessons to people that maybe don't have that sort of personality, but still need to develop rapport and trust with, with new prospects 
over over the phone or on Zoom? Good question. I would say this. You've got to be yourself. This is me. Uh, you cannot be phony. You cannot try to be something that we're not. Uh, we've got to be authentic. We've got to show very quickly to our, we have friends because we, we, we treat our friends with respect. We treat our business partners with respect and our customer. I think even at this stage, I'm more customer oriented than ever. I'm more partner oriented with other than ever. I always have asked a lot of questions because that's how we learn. We ask questions. I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. But many people want to think and, and make people think, well, I'm the smartest guy in the room. So therefore, you should do business with me. That's nonsense. So I think in this horrible, catastrophic eight or nine months that we've had, when we've lost so many lives of our friends and family members through this terrible virus, but those of us who are left to hear, it is our duty to go out and not sit down and die, but go out and serve and help and grow our businesses. And I think this economy is a testimony to that. It's unbelievable. Now, we've got places like hotels, that's a bad restaurants, airlines. They they really they they really have really big challenges and 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 it hasn't been as good for them, but they will come through this, the ones that think like we're talking here. Uh, and But I think we're, we're the near future, the future going farther beyond that, I think is phenomenal. Because I think we've opened up a whole new uh, world of opportunity driven by technology. Here I am almost 81. Everything we do here is technology driven. Is it not human driven to? It's human driven to with technology. You cannot leave that out. But we've got to be more efficient and find better ways to serve our customers. And and I think many companies have been able to do that. Fran, you don't you don't just sound wildly optimistic. You sound like you're having a lot of fun too. <laughs> well, you know, when I don't have the burden of thinking that I've got to be the smartest guy in the room or that the burden of I've got all the answers, which I don't, and neither does anybody else. And the joy of knowing that we can be better. We can be more efficient. Uh, and now it's the greatest, this is the greatest business time in the history of this country. Our opportunities beyond, beyond, beyond. Everybody wants to come here and be here, but we want to be able to help these people in whatever way we can. And, and, and most of you people out there, financial services, they under they, most people don't understand. They weren't taught financial services, stock market, investment strategies in their colleges, and now they need your help. Right. They need to trust you and believe you, and you need to be prepared to be able to. And I need to be there to be able to not sell them, but help them, serve them, talk, ask them questions, listen to them, and maybe you don't have the solution for them. Wow, really? Yeah, maybe not. And maybe you send them down to Ralph. Uh, and so right. uh, it's just, it, and, and I think the authenticity and the energy that we bring to it. And again, I cannot be like Ralph or Billy Bob. I've, I've, I've got to be myself. We all have to be ourselves. If we can be ourselves 
and be authentic, we will be well received. If we're trying to be somewhere else, like someone else, you can't. Vince Lombardi's assistants never were great coaches. Uh, 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 same thing with uh, 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 Nick Saban, a good friend of mine who's who's uh, you know uh, up at Lake Burton, my lake with me, and he's got maybe over his career twenty head coaches around the country. He has never lost to one of his <laughs> to one of his coaches, you know, and and so it's the uh, it, it it's it just the authenticity and keep working at it. And, and build your team and, and customers are first, first, first. Friend, this has been awesome. This has been great. Last question for you. And this one comes from my dad, uh, who's about 20 minutes from you. <laughs> uh, and he's a massive Fran Tarkenden fan. And he asked me for your top picks for the following. The best player you ever played with or against and secondly, the meanest and nastiest player you were ever on the field with. <laughs> the best player I ever played against was Gino Marchetti. I went to the University of San Francisco, big Italian guy, died a couple of years ago, was the defensive captain and end for the then Baltimore Colts. And, uh, and he was just absolutely phenomenal. Now, there were a lot of great players, Merlin Olsen, Deacon Jones of my era and so forth. Uh, but... Uh, but uh, he was the uh, he, he was the best player I've I've ever known. And the other question was what now? The the meanest and nastiest. The meanest and, na and nastiest was Mean Joe Green. <laughs> and Mean Joe Green uh, was uh, a physical freak. He came to Pittsburgh in the '60s when Pittsburgh was terrible. They hadn't won anything since they came into the league in the '40s, the '40s and the '50s and the '60s. And he came in there, and he was a one of the biggest men in football at that time, he was maybe 6'5", 275, 280, with no steroids back then, there was no performance enhancing drugs, there was no weightlifting programs. And so I, I, he came and played against me as, as a rookie and we're playing in New York and he's been chasing me all over the place. And, and so he, he tells this story to my grandchildren at the Hall of Fame <clears throat> about years ago. And he said, let me tell you about your grandpa. I was running and chasing him around Yankee Stadium. And I never could get him. And he would always say to me, you miss me, uh, uh, you, you miss me. Uh, you can't catch me. Mean Joe, you, you, you just don't have, you know, I'm, I'm just gigging him all of that. And finally, he said, your dad ran down the field and went to the sidelines. And then I was about to just take his head off, but he went, ran out of bounds. And I still tackled him out of bounds and <laughs> knocked his helmet off. I was afraid I'd, I'd, I'd taken his head with his helmet. And he said, and what happened? Your dad was laughing at me because the referee came over and kicked, kicked me, mean Joe Green, out of the game. <laughs> and, it, and so, but mean Joe was a dangerous man. He, he was truly aggressive. He was so strong and so fast. And uh, he's a now great grandpa. And he is like a sissy grandpa now. Not like he was when he played. Yeah, that's a great story, friend. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time today, uh, for the lessons, uh, for the leadership lessons in particular. I know our audience very much enjoyed this. Um, I'm sure we'll see each other again soon, my friend. Same to all, all of you. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you.